Um, if you don't know me, my name is Mark Wall. It's like a mark like a mark and then a wall like four walls in a room. Um, it's two separate words, but often it's pronounced together as one word, just Mark Wall. I don't, it's been a lifelong thing. Anyway, um, I'm the community pastor here at Christ Center. And um, today I want to talk about what it means to be a pastor, or more specifically, what it, want, what it means to be a shepherd. And pastor literally means shepherd. And um, we often hear of the shepherd as the one who leaves the 99 to go find the one. So the primary focus of a shepherd isn't on the many at one time, which is why you don't see me up here very often, but being connected and walking alongside people by the ones or the few's. Now, when I say shepherd and pastor, pastor may be a title that we use nowadays, but I would, I would submit that we all have the ability to shepherd within the body. We all have people that we're called to walk alongside. We all have people that, um, that you could be better at being with. So that is my goal today, is to help you be a better shepherd. So I'm wanting you to walk away from today with a better understanding of how to be there for people that you encounter, from the people that are close to you to people that are a complete stranger. How can you impact their their life in ways that are meaningful? So let me pray real quickly. So we just thank you for today. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for the rain that brings flowers. And we're looking, and we thank you for the sun that helps them grow. And God, I'm just asking that you open minds and hearts that you share with people today what you want them to hear. And so we just come together, Lord, and to know you better. We just praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So as one of the shepherds here, and to help you be a better shepherd, I'm going to start by talking about myself, not because it's about me, because it's actually about you, but I'm hoping that my story will help you understand some of the things I want to talk about. So I have lots of things I've been involved in as I've gone through life. I was in scouts. I was actually an Eagle Scout. I worked up at camp. I was really into swimming. I actually became a swim instructor. I actually taught people to be lifeguards. I was a lifeguard in college. I was a lineman in football. Um, and I was a special Olympics coach for swimming. In, in, uh, in college, I set out to get my degree in chemistry after figuring out what I wanted to do, which I still wasn't sure what I wanted to do, but it was a degree I could focus on. I tutored. Um, it was the 80s, so I was kind of a new age dude. I was a new age sensitive guy. Um, going through college, I was a cook, I was a busboy, I was a waiter, I bartended. Um, after I got married, I got trained with my wife to be a natural childbirth instructor. I read tarot cards. In the 90s, I moved to Oregon. And after graduating, actually in 1990, I moved to Oregon after graduating and working for years in California as an environmental consultant. 94, moved down here, worked for eWeb. Um, I, I was only an environmental consultant. I would say I became a sustainability guru. So I had all these things going on. I fit into Eugene really, really well. 
I did have tie-dyes. My Birkenstocks finally wore out. And my nickname and staff is Amber Crystal. So if you hear that thrown around, you know they're talking about me. Um, before coming up to Oregon, I was married. I had a beautiful wife. I have three beautiful daughters. I was the president of the Eugene Waldorf School. And one of the things I did is I took him from being in the red to being in the black, and the teachers got the first raise they had gotten in 10 years. Yeah. So that's a great resume. You may not agree with all the things, but that's who I was. But that really doesn't tell you what was happening in my life. It doesn't tell you about all the constant pain and rejection I felt, how hard I was trying to get love and acceptance, that I went, um, lived in at least 14 different homes before I got to high school, six elementary schools, two junior highs, one high school in four different states. Now, I wasn't in a broken family. I was in a family that moved around a lot. I was often the object of scorn and ridicule from as early as I can remember until around the eighth grade, where I learned that anger was a good way to stop bullies. I read a ton because the library was my best friend because books were always safe. I was really familiar with emotional pain, but I preferred physical pain because it was easier to deal with. And um, I found myself often shepherding people in my life, but not always for the right reasons. Because in helping them in their pain, I was hoping it would fill the hole that I had of my own. I think... Um, I wasn't walking as a believer. I did get raised in church, and I think the piece of scripture I carried with me in my new age Native American journey was to, to love my neighbor, I think because I wanted so much to be loved. And 2001 was kind of a pivotal year for me. In September 11th, 2001, the Twin Towers came down. I think as a nation, we were horrified and it changed. And at that point, my life was a complete disaster. I'd failed as an employee. I was to be fired a couple months after that. I uh, had failed as a husband. I'd been separated. I was living on my own. Felt like I was failing as a father. And I don't know why, I really don't know why suicide wasn't in my thoughts at all because it felt like my whole life was coming apart. I think maybe because of the time and there was already so much life lost that that just didn't seem like, a, like an option. And I loved my family. I just didn't know how to be healthy and connected with them. I do know I was deeply depressed. And after 9-11, I could not find a job because nobody was hiring. So I was able to get a job working 10 to 12 dollars an hour doing landscape maintenance, which was cash at the end of the day, which is sometimes when my kids came over, I would have worked the day before and I'd run to the little convenience store next to us and I'd get food so whenever they were with me, we had food to eat. I started missing rent payments. It was a hard time. In the midst of this, I kept going to job interviews and not getting hired, losing out, being number two, and I realized 
what I could do is go back to school, so I took the GMAT and um, was accepted at the University of Oregon for the MBA program. And that started in September of 2002, the end of September. And when I got there, I met a person many of you know by the name of Kristen, now Kristen Wall, at the time it was Kristen Gilbert. <laughs> we had conversations about God, and um, I found an old Bible. And on October 2nd, 2002, I was kneeling, um, kneeling on the carpet in what I called the doghouse because my separation and divorce, I got the dog and it didn't smell so good. But my daughters really loved it. So that's what really mattered. Um, so I was sitting there on the floor, and I, um, if you could pull up the John 21 scripture, Josh. And I was reading this. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. And a third time, he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you truly love me? And he said, Lord, you know these things, and you know that I love you. I was by myself. I didn't say a prayer. But somehow in the midst of this, I realized that Jesus wasn't asking me to accept the church. Jesus was asking me if I accepted him. And I looked at my life and how broken it was. And I said, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life because I tried doing it my way and I failed. I knew I was broken, but I didn't know what fixed looked like. I wanted to be remade in God's design. I wanted to be transformed. I wanted to take my pain and turn it into wisdom. And I wanted to take that shame that I have dealt with for so long and turn that into humility. Now, I didn't realize at the time, because as I was reading that passage, it was kind of like Jesus was talking to me. But when I look at it now, and I could do a whole sermon just on that passage, I love it, it's one of my favorites. It's been a memory stone, a touchstone for me my, my entire life since then. Is that he was calling Peter to be a shepherd. And yes, Peter was an apostle but he was recommissioning him to be a shepherd. Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. What I realized as I was preparing for this message is he was using that passage to call me to be a shepherd also. I just didn't know it at the time. So he designed me to be a shepherd but I needed to know how to be a lamb first. And I think I probably need to explain what I mean about that. Because what I mean is that you need to be both a lamb and a shepherd to be like Christ. If we go back to the Old Testament, in fact, I bet a lot of you could finish this for me. Psalm 23, the Lord is my, I shall not want, and on it goes. That 
In the Old Testament, the shepherd, when we talk to the good shepherd, we're talking about the father. But um, Jesus was also known as a lamb. In fact, he was a lamb first. In fact, in John 1.29, John the Baptist, not the author of John, different guy, said, the next day John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. A foreshadowing of what Jesus was supposed to accomplish on the cross. But also a statement about who Jesus is. And John, in fact, the Baptist says it again in John 35 to 36, when he encourages his disciples to leave him and go follow Christ instead, he says, um, the next day he was there again and said to two of his disciples when he saw Jesus passing by, look, there's the Lamb of God. And so I need to describe a little bit about what I mean by lamb, which is a lamb is vulnerable. And a lamb, a, a lamb needs the presence of the shepherd in order to do well. And if we look at Jesus, when he was a young man, he was constantly growing in wisdom and scripture. He was constantly letting the Lord feed him and another thing we see in Jesus' lifetime is he's constantly seeking God's presence. So I would say being a lamb has two components. One is seeking the presence of the Father. And the other is being vulnerable, being open, being willing to listen. And I'll explain more about that when I go forward. But Jesus at the same time was also a shepherd. I am the good shepherd, he says in John 10. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He puts the well-being of the sheep above himself. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. And then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. So a hired hand is not a shepherd. And then he says, I am the good shepherd I know my sheep and my sheep know me, which is also a reflection that as the lamb, he knew his father and his father knew him, that he was always the lamb. He never stopped being the lamb. And yet at the same time, he was also the shepherd. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of the sheep pen. I must bring them also, they too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again, speaking of his resurrection without them understanding at the time. And then I think it's really interesting. He says, no one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down again and the authority to take it up. I command, this command I received from my father, so I would submit that as a lamb of, of God who was the perfect sacrifice, he was simultaneously the shepherd who laid down his life intentionally. It wasn't one or the other, it was both simultaneously. So he was the lamb who listened to his father and sought him for input and wisdom, and he was the shepherd laying down his life and sharing all that he had. These were both decisions he made, and he's calling all of us to do the same thing. This was Jesus' ark, lamb first, lamb always, and then shepherd. And we're to be like him. So now I'll expand a little bit. 
what does being a lamb look like? Again, two things, seeking God's presence and being vulnerable, being open to learning from others. So back to my story. I was now walking with the Lord. I was now married to Kristen. And we had now, not three, but five wonderful children. And it was hard for me. But I was working on it. And here's some things I did to help myself be a better father, be a better husband, be a better employee, as I needed to be a lamb. Now, part of that was seeking the presence of God. And if you know Kristen, you know that she loves the Lord. And I will confess, early in our marriage, I was very, very jealous of Jesus because Jesus was first in our relationship and I was second. And that was kind of a problem for me. Because <laughs> I wanted to be first. I knew he was supposed to be first, but it, and I realized the only way that I could be a, better as a husband and okay with Jesus being first is I had to make Jesus first in my life. And I had to love him more than I loved Kristen. And so I set out to do that. And one of the things I did is in my men's group, I said, I'm going to go up every Saturday, hike Spencer's Butte, take my Bible, my journal, and go up and just spend time with the Lord. And I'd say out of that, in that year, that next year, probably made it 50 out of 52 Saturdays. There was rain, there was snow. Spencer's Butte is really cool with snow on the top. Now, I will also say I did not always go to the top because there were some times that weather wasn't there. And part of it for me personally is that hike helped me get out of my head and get out of my day and get all my me junk out of the way so when I was spending time with him, it was better. And I don't know when it happened, but at some point, Jesus became number one to me and that kind of took that jealousy thing out of our relationship. But I also needed to be vulnerable to others. And this was hard because I didn't know how to be vulnerable in a healthy way. See, as a child, we moved around a lot, so I had all the schools. And since I felt like an outsider and I was bullied, I felt like I was a victim. And then that anger I used to protect myself by smacking a guy when he tried to bully me, stopped the bullying. So I learned that anger and rage were a great coping mechanism when I didn't want to be vulnerable because that meant being a victim. However, that way of living was not healthy as a husband or a father or an employee. And I will say that really the biggest victims of my anger and rage were the people that were closest to me my wife and my kids. I did pretty good at work. Can't say as much about driving, but I never got in an accident because of rage. <laughs> but I had to learn to be vulnerable. I had to learn to let others speak in my life. And so we, I sought out other people and asked them to speak financially. How do, I, how do I be a more responsible husband? How am I better in a family setting? I went through restoration um, it showed up at First Baptist, and Krista and I went through that. And in the midst of this, I started understanding what my calling as a, min as, as a minister was. And by that, I mean all of you are ministers also, ministers of the gospel. So what was my calling? What did God equip me to do? Who was I? Well, I didn't, my whole life, 
I think that whole, that ache, that wanting to be loved, part of it was I didn't even know who I was. I probably didn't feel like I was actually grown up and an adult until I was in my early 40s. And that came from seeking the Lord and seeking and understanding my identity and then how God designed me to operate. And I spent five years doing this, learning my new family. I'm sorry, guys, it was, it was rocky. <laughs> but I was growing, I was making, I was making progress. Skipping forward a couple years, I finally was hired to be the general manager of Santa Pac, which was a dream job. Like, if I outlined everything I was looking for a job, I had all of it. And I was, I was underqualified. I didn't have the experience, but I, had, I didn't have the experience for that level of work, but I had a lot of great experience. And I knew, without a doubt, the way things came together, that the only reason I got that job is because God put me there. And I realized I was pastoring the entire office because their previous boss had died suddenly. The people were in mourning and shock. They were coming to me and I was helping. And what I would say off the record is I was a pastor first and a businessman second. That's what it looks like to be a shepherd in the workplace. I had to lay my life down and put my employees first and there was three things I had to do. They sound kind of like being a lamb, but the first one is to be present. I needed to be present. I needed to be present and fully focused on them, which meant my practice of being present with the Lord as a lamb and seeking input was what helped me be present with other people. I needed to listen and I needed to serve. So one of the ways I started off by to be present is I had an open door policy. And I've been places that they say they have an open door policy, and that meant they kept their door open until you wanted to come in and talk to them. <laughs> My open door policy was the door was open, and if you wanted to talk, you'd come in, and if we needed, we'd shut the door, but I was there to listen. I let them know that. In fact, when I started I st with the, with the um, losing balance, got it back, okay. Um, Losing train of thought, they haven't got it back. <laughs> with the, uh, not receptionist, with the customer service, customer service people, um, they had a difficult job. So um, I started with them and the sales team. I said, hey, I want to set up an appointment for you to just to come in and talk to me about what's going on in your life. Not about business, just come talk to me. I want to hear what, what's important to you. And after about the third one, people were saying, when's my turn? When's my turn? <laughs> because I, I wasn't about what they could do for me. I just wanted to get to know who they were. And one of the ways I served them is, believe it or not, there's some really grumpy people who called up and were really rude to the customer service people. And I just said, hey, if you get an angry idiot on the phone, pass it up to me, I'll take it every time. And it didn't happen very often. And after I got off the phone with a person, I had to go cool off because what would irritate me the most is they'd be super rude to them. But as soon as my voice got on the line, they'd get polite, which is what made me want to smack them. It's like, if you're going to treat them that way, why aren't you treating me that way? I was still working on my anger issues. <laughs> um, one of our truck drivers, when I first got there, his wife had died. So I just called and said, hey, um, 
can I come out and visit with you? And then I just sat and I listened to him and, and he was a Christian. I asked him if I could pray with him. And so I was just there for him. That's one of the ways I serve my employees better. And then, for lots of reasons, and I'm not going to go into them, I ended up losing my job there. I thought at the time it was all due to me. I found out later some of it was me and some of it was things beyond my control. I still having to work on my anger issues. It was in that season I put my head through a bedroom door because my emotional pain was so high I needed some physical pain to distract me through it. So I leaned into being a lamb. I got counseling through Kafa, and they were really happy I was there because most of the people that are there for anger management are forced to go there. I actually wanted to be there. I had a group of men that I was accountable to. I was seeking mentoring. I had to do a lot of honest self-reflection and start understanding what I looked like as opposed to what I felt like when I was using rage to protect me. I kept growing. I got a job at the University of Oregon. You aren't supposed to have full-time adjuncts at the university, but I was a full-time adjunct at the university for three years. <laughs> Taught for three different departments, so I guess it, anyway. Um, and something was different, because I was growing as a lamb, my ability to shepherd. I think one of the things I did is I, I started off telling about all the things I did well, and then I also would, but with my students, for my resume at the beginning of class, I'd say, here's my screwed up resume. And I'd talk about the times I was fired and the things that had gone wrong that made me a better employee and made me a better employer. Maybe it was that, I don't know what it was, but periodically people would come into my office hours and seek me out for counsel and advice. And three of them kind of stand out to me. I had one student, they were presenting that day and she came in, she was really tearful. She said, last night at work, I worked at a convenience store and a guy put his gun up to his, my head and demanded all the money and I'm just kind of shook up right now. And I'm like, well, do you guys want to take that? And we can bump your presentation if you need more time. She goes, oh, no, actually, I think I can do it. Which kind of surprised me. So it wasn't she was trying to get out of something, but I think she just needed somebody who would listen. I had another girl come in, her, her ex-boyfriend that she'd broken up with three months before had just committed suicide. And she, she needed someone to talk to. And the one that stands out the most was one whose roommates had been up skiing all day on the way back from Willamette Pass. Their car got hit. Three of her roommates died, and the other one was in, a, was in intensive care. And she had the family coming and wanting stuff and wanting to know, and she was a complete wreck. And her comment is what struck me. She goes, I didn't know who I could talk to, so I came to talk to you. I didn't invite that, but something in how I was walking as a lamb made that opening possible for her. And I was able to give her advice and be there for her, got her to take the rest of the term on the next term off to recover. And when she came back a quarter later, she, she was doing a lot better. So what I'm trying to share with you or show you is that my vulnerability as a lamb translated into my being able to shepherd the people I encountered. And that still continues to this day, and it can be something really big or it can be as much as just the way I treat people when I'm in line at Bimart or being our hardware. 
Eventually, God convinced me that he designed me for vocational ministry. But even if I hadn't, I'd still be a pastor. Because a pastor for me isn't a title, it's a way of living, it's a way of being. And what I'm hoping as we engage in this is you're starting to think, what are ways I can pastor the people who are in my lives, who are close to me? So there's a couple things. First, being a lamb. Do you seek his presence? And that can be in the word, it can be in meditation, there's lots of ways you can seek his presence, but are you inviting God and his presence to be with you? Because to be a good shepherd often is to have a hand up saying, I don't know what to do in this situation. I just know I need to be present and Lord, I need you to be with me. And if you don't have that relationship with the Lord, it's a lot harder to do that. Do I practice vulnerability? Do I have people that I invite to speak into my life? Or who I share difficult things in my life with? The things that I want to hide, the places where I, want, where I feel shame, do I have people I can bring that to light and share that with so I can be in a place of humility, not in a place of shame? And when I have people speaking into my life, how well do I listen? I had a dear friend in the midst of that process. He and his wife said, hey, can we meet with you and Kristen? It was the Starbucks on 6th Street by the Washington Jefferson Bridge. It was nighttime. It had rained, but it wasn't raining. I remember it really vividly because what he said was, Mark, we've been walking alongside you for a while and what we see is that you're a good man, but you've got an anger issue that's really difficult. It's always there. How can we help you get over that? So I felt honored that a friend would actually risk our relationship by telling me a problem they saw in me. And on top of it, they were willing to walk it out with me. They weren't just throwing a dart and saying, you've got a problem, fix it. And then being a shepherd. Am I present with people? Am I trusting his presence as a lamb? Do I have my hand up? Am I, am I not having to have an answer, but really listening to have what, they, what they have to share? And do I seek to listen? Am I willing, by, mean, by that, is am I willing to invest my time and energy into people without any guarantee of a return? If the elders and, and um, pastors and home group leaders would come up, I want you guys all to know we would love to pray with you. We'd love to pray for you. We want to encourage you in your walk and we want to be with you in your pain. So I thank you all for being here. Let me close in prayer. Lord, I thank you that you are not only the perfect lamb, but you're also the good shepherd. That you're there for us, you're there to meet us, and you're there to encourage us in Jesus' name.
Amen. Hey, before we close up, I actually want to linger on these questions here. Um, before, is that okay? I'm totally mm -hmm. busting in on you here, but you've got them so I can see them. Um, I think it's a really good challenge. Thank you, Mark. Um, I, and I, I think you guys who know him know that he really does walk in this so well. Um, and so thank you for doing that. But, you know, not everyone is called to vocational ministry, obviously. But I think this is such a good call for us because even if, you know, you're, you're not called to be uh, an employee of a church or, or, or whatever, that he has called all of us to doing these things, to being a lamb and to being a shepherd. So I just want to throw out these questions again, okay? Um, for being a lamb, do I seek his presence and do I practice vulnerability? Those are really, really good questions. So I just want to sit with that for just a second, okay? Do you invite people to speak into your life? That was really cool. You said that you saw the areas of weakness in your life and then you invited people to then come and speak into them. Do you do that? That's something that I believe all, every single one of us are called to do. That's part of being vulnerable. That's part of being a lamb. If you do not. Yeah. Jason, will you help me with my sermon? I can, yeah. I'd love to. Thank you. <laughs> Mark, would you help me fix anything? <laughs> so those things, practical things, but obviously in the deep parts of your life, I think that's super important to, to have people, to reach out. And if you haven't done that, I'm going to really say you need to do it, friends. You need to do it. To look and ask God to, or wisdom to know who to, who to go and talk to. And the second thing on being a shepherd Am I present with people? Are you, do you know how to be present with people? Do you know how to listen? Um, part of that is do you know how to be present with yourself? Because if you're comfortable being present with yourself, then you can put yourself aside and be present with others. That's a good word. And I love this question. He said, am I willing to invest time and energy into people without any guarantee of a return? Okay? You got to linger on that one. If you're a parent, you know how to do this with your kids, right? Because you've all sat on really, really, really long jokes that go on for like 10 minutes. And you know there's not going to be much of a return there. Not with you guys, I promise. But, but can we do that with other people? Are we willing to invest time and energy into people without any guarantee of return because that's sometimes what it means to be a shepherd is being there with a person and you're not going to get anything out of it whatsoever. But to be able to invest and give in that way is a powerful and a beautiful thing. And I think that is kind of the story of Mark, I feel like, right? There's so many times. I, I, how many of you guys have ever, right, this isn't about you anymore, but I mean, how many times have you guys have ever just sat with Mark and told him a lot of stuff and he listened to you? Like, look around. Okay, there's a lot of people that are just like, come, and, and then he's got, you know, he, that kind of heart. Now, you might not roll like he does at that level of like, he, that might, you might not be as good at it, in other words, but that's okay. To be willing to, to listen, invest time and energy, that's what every single one of us are called to. 
to, to be shepherds to the people in our lives. Okay? So uh, let's, uh, yeah, let's invite the elders, have the elders and the home group leaders come forward. I, I didn't mean to hijack the ending, but I just feel like we needed to, like, we need to linger on that point. So maybe that's something that you're feeling like, ooh, I, I actually need help in this area to be a lamb or to be a shepherd. Uh, come forward. Let us pray with you. Actually, talk to this guy first if he's open. Let him pray for you directly on that. Or if he's praying with somebody else, we can too. Uh, but anything else you guys would like prayer for? Uh, can you just stand together? Lord, we thank you for this word that our brothers brought today. And I pray that you would help each and every one of us to, to be present with you, to be present with others, to be vulnerable, and to be generous in our dealings with the people around us. Wherever we are, Lord, I pray that you would help us to look more like you, to be a shepherd and to be a lamb. You guys agree with that? Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Be blessed this week. And thank you, Pastor Mark.